Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to episode four of Cosmographia, the Greco-Romans, the Egyptians, and us, only on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Today's episode is named Megasthenes, Heracles, and the Greco-Indian Classical Antiquity. Civilizations that flourished back to when man worshipped nature as the primordial force from which originated beings were bound to have resemblances in ideologies, texts, traditions, and philosophies. Greeks and Indians are two distinct races, separated by thousands of stadia, divided by natural barriers that include, but are not limited to, mountains, highlands, rivers, and seas, between which was once extant the mighty Achaemenid Empire of Persia. The earliest depictions of Indians in the Greek history come from the Battle of Plataea that took place as early as 479 BCE. Northwestern provinces of India had extended their allegiance to the mighty Achaemenid Empire under King Xerxes who desired to ransack the Greek city-states. Although fighting for the Persians who would eventually be crushed and crumbled like never before, the Greek presumptions on who the Indians were did take a magnanimous shift from what their prevalent notion of the East had been. Ever since the foundation stones of the Western civilizations were laid, the Greeks had always had a good contact with the Ethiopians, be that in matters of slave trade or frequent mythological depictions of the place called Ethiopia, Greek Ethiopia. It literally meant the land of the people with a burned face, and this denomination was applicable to all modern-day African nations, specifically to the residents of the lands that stood south of Egypt. Indians were no exception. When Herodotus compiled his famed work entitled Histories, he endeavoured to describe India, an ancient civilization that he thought led on the eastern fringes of the world near to Ethiopia. In the 1920 transliteration of Herodotus's work by A.D. Godley, it is observed that as far as India, Asia is an inhabited land, but thereafter all to the east is desolation, nor can anyone say what kind of land is there. In those ancient times, the Indians and the Greeks usually came to know each other through the Achaemenid Empire of Persia that lay between these civilizations and under whose command tribal Indian kingdoms often waged vociferous wars against the Greek city-states. Jan William de Jong, in his 1973 book called The Discovery of India by the Greeks, states some crucial Indo-Greek interactions that could have possibly formed the basis of Herodotus's depiction of India. It is said that Skylax of Carianda, who was a sailor, and he is believed to have been the first to have sailed as far as the Indus under the service of King Darius. He is one of the earliest accounts of Greeks in India. Later, Hecateus of Miletus worked out an Indian topography and tried detailing certain descriptions on what the people looked like and who they actually were. 
another account of Durden's speculative country was penned down by the Greek physician Statius years before the Bactrians, who lived in northern Afghanistan, came into direct contact with the Indians. Almost a century and a half later, approximately 153 years after the Battle of Paleti, the Macedonian invasion under Alexander became the earliest of its kind to open doors for cultural emissaries and cross-cultural interactions to take place. That's when the Greek ambassador and ethnographer Megasthenes visited India in 302 BCE much was known in the Hellenistic world about these fabulous beings of the East, although the Greek topographical descriptions suffered as a consequence of none having ventured beyond the Indus, the river that was then considered the second largest in the world, only after the Nile. Megasthenes seemed to have had a penchant for classicism and endeavoured to define the world through the lenses of mythology. His venture into the subcontinent was fabulous indeed, but Indica, the legacy that he left behind, wasn't just a simple text. It was something that went on to bring about a cultural fusion or an intermingling among the Hindu pantheon and the contemporary Greek myths. The divinity of Hercules in India has its origins from the valley that Alexander did not invade, Nagara. In his account is noted by Dr. Squanbeck and J.W. McRindle in 1877, Megasthenes quotes, Such then are the traditions regarding Dionysus and his descendants current among the Indians who inhabit the hill country. They further assert that Heracles was also born among them. They assigned to him, like Greeks, the clubs and the lion skin. He far surpassed all men in personal strength and prowess and cleared sea and land of evil beasts." Unquote. Such a vivid description of his could possibly be linked to a presence of a gargantuan ritual devoted to the Indian deities Krishna and Balarama. American Indologist Edwin Francis Bryant recalls Hercules' similarity to the Indian deity Krishna. He comments on a tribe that Megasthenes calls Sura Senoi, linking it to the Shura Senas, the branch of the Chandravamsha Yadus, to which both the brothers belonged. In the Greek historian's depiction, Sura Senoi are people, quote, who especially worshipped Heracles in their land, and this land had two cities, Metora and Tlaisobora, and a navigable river, the Jubaris, unquote. Major General Sir Alexander Cunningham in the late 19th century did find evidences of Herculean depictions in the Mathura art and was someone who suspected the cross-cultural influences that might have had taken place due to Megasthenes and the other Greek historians who chose to equate each divinity with that of theirs. What he basically meant was simple. In Mathura, which Megasthenes probably called Metora, lived artists who had heard tales of the legendary Greek hero and were commissioned to create statuettes that resembled Krishna. These earthen statuettes, now taped at Indian Museum Kolkata, was originally referred to as the Mathura Heracles. And why wouldn't it? It displays a bold man slaying the Nemean lion. 
which was originally one of Hercules' twelve labors set for him by Eurystheus under the auspices of Hera. Although it is well understood that Megasthenes, by his narration of people around Metora, English for Mathura, Klesobora, English for Krishnapur, and the river Jubaris, English for Yamuna, referred to the Gangetic Plain where the worship of Krishna was prevalent, Orientalist and military officer Lieutenant Colonel James Todd, in his work called Annals and Antiquities of Rajasthan, states a better resemblance of the Indian Hercules with Baldeva or Balaram, the elder brother of Lord Krishna. Interesting similarities between Balarama and Hercules, as noted down by Todd are quote, his club and lion's hide standing on his pedestal at Baldeo and yet worshipped by the Suraseni. Balarama also boasted of the attributes of the Indian god of strength, something that creates a better likeness of his with Heracles, the Greek equivalent. Howbeat, a classicist as he was, Megasthenes did not pause at just Hellenizing the Indian deities. Rather, he went on to create fictionalized historical accounts of various Indian kingdoms, linking them to Hercules and Dionysus. One of the most popular and flawed descriptions of his was on the origins of the early Pandian kingdom. In an attempt to relate the flamboyant Pandian kings with Hercules, what Megasthenes did was to bring in a daughter of the Greek hero that he called Pandia. Later Greek and Roman historians, including Pliny the Elder, criticized Megasthenes for his description of the fabulous races of India and his over-exaggerated account of the history that revealed almost everything that related to Hercules and Dionysus. The primary basis of his work in India were how he related the principal Indian deities to what he learned from the classical literature and the erroneous descriptions from the accounts of other historians detailing on the extensive Indian landmass that he had never actually ventured into. Thus, although his defecation of Hercules and Dionysus in India, along with several other fictionalized historical facts, were ambivalent, he did succeed in presenting one of the earliest of all accounts that detail Indian topography precisely. Megasthenes' enthusiasm resulted in a confluence of cultural philosophy, religion and literature, bringing about a fusion between the Oriental world and Occidental. If Baldwin were to be recalled, he would rightly praise Megasthenes and his relation with the East as a person who is trapped in history and history is trapped in. Thank you. If you did like this podcast, do subscribe to it and do listen to our other episodes now streaming on Apple, Spotify, Google and a dozen other podcast channels. Thank you.